This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. All right, welcome to episode four of season two of Tell Me This. Brand has leaned back from her mic trying to not to laugh in the mic. I have to be honest, I can't avoid it. Zoom has introduced this new feature where this lovely woman comes on and tells us when it's recording, so we're trying not to laugh when we hear her. <laughs> but it's okay. Let's just let's just be in it, Brianne, and just name it. So for what it is. It makes me laugh every time. I don't know. I know, I know. So I just thought maybe we just name it and own it and we'll move past it. So good idea. <laughs> so this is episode four. And I am your co-host, Carrie Borkowski, and with me is my co-host for season two and hopefully beyond. Brianne Roos. Hey, we're getting better. Do we better get it? Out. Yeah, I think we're getting better. Um, I keep saying co-host for season two, but um, on the show notes for the podcast, I put and hopefully beyond. So don't think that you're off the hook after season two, just to let you know. <laughs> um, this is not a job interview for which you could like lose the job. You will be stuck with it. So this would be a pretty public job interview. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So I'm, I'm actually asking people to to send in comments to let me know if I should keep you on or not. So <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right. So just as a reminder for those of you who don't know, the theme of this podcast is all about belonging, cultivating community, connection, leaning in and learning with and from each other. This season, we are so excited and really I'm humbled by the number of amazing teachers, leaders, and educators of, used very broadly have willingly um, agreed to come on and chat with us um, about their experiences with belonging and, and all sorts of cool topics that we won't give away. Episode four, we were excited to not have just one person, but two people came on together. So Dr. Aviva Moore, um, she came on to speak with us as well as Miss Brianna Wall. Um, they are both online or have been, have a lot of experience in online education pre-pandemic. So this was not a result of pandemic. Their roles and context really had them online. And so we thought it would be great to have a conversation with some um, some real seasoned experts in this space. And um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy that. And this season, as I said, is about the, really the interviews with these educators. We will continue to bring stories and research and data and all that cool stuff to you and try to make connections and and bring takeaways. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, Brianne. So um, it'll go great. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, listening to uh, Aviva and Brianna, I really thought a lot about sort of this. I wrote down in my notes: novice, expert, novice, expert, and back again, because um, I felt like for them, it really was you know being with their students, learning getting feedback, 
learning and just this iterative process and being really intentional. And so the story I came up with um, that I really wanted to share, and I probably shared a little bit of this early on in season one was um, when my grandmother passed away, I volunteered. Um, I was asked or volunteered. I'm not really sure to give one of her eulogies. Um, and I have to tell you crazy um, I know it'll be hard for Brianne to imagine that I was a lot at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> I was not really sure how to capture the essence of my grandmother. I mean, what could I say about this amazing woman, um, human being who touched so many lives during her 96 years of life? Um, I started to write the message, um, but I remembered being in the car driving back from Mass from to Massachusetts. Um, before the funeral. That's a whole story for another day. I had a notepad in the seat next to me. I know, don't, don't email me about why I shouldn't be writing and driving, um, but I just had a notepad <laughs> just in case I had a thought or two. And I was afraid that if I had a thought or two and I didn't have a notepad, I'd forget it by the time I got home. So, and it occurred to me that my grandmother was really a teacher, someone who really saw me. And she wouldn't have used those words, but the more I think about her and her life, the more I believe that. And now during season one, I shared a lot, of, a lot of the reasons I thought she stood out as a teacher. And recently, after chatting with our next guests and reading the article for today, I also realized that without saying it, my grandmother understood how power, context, role, and her own positionality contribute to the space. Now, she would never, ever have used the word positionality, and honestly, up until probably, I don't know, five years ago, I probably wouldn't have either. <laughs> Um, but she walked through this world in a space where her identity as a learner teacher was fluid, changed, it grew, it diminished depending on the space and place. Her ability to admit uncertainty and curiosity and just ask lots and lots of questions and then shift to an expert when it came to some historical event or making a homemade anything, uh, she carried her expertise with confidence, grace, and care. And this dynamic nature of her her learning, teaching identity gave her more credibility and buy-in from those around her. She could learn, teach, connect, care, lead, or get out of the way, whatever the moment required. And so in our chat with Aviva and Brianna, I think you will hear how they both have expertly navigated this pandemic with a lot of care, respect, empathy, listening, leading, and learning. Their ability to acknowledge the implications and effects of these moments seem to contribute to their successes in being teachers, leaders, and guides for their students, families, and all of their teachers and staff. So when we come back, we'll hear our interview with Dr. Aviva Moore and Ms. Brianna Wall. And so I hope you'll stick around for a great conversation. This is season two of Tell Me This. We'll be right back. All right, so thanks everybody for tuning in to our second season. Brianna, I can't believe it's already season two and so much has changed since the end of season <laughs> one back in May. Who would have thought we'd be facing this crazy, I know people are tired of hearing this unprecedented time of a pandemic. Um, and Brianna and I are really happy and excited with this new season because as we've already shared with you, we really are turning the airways, so to speak, over to the voices of our educators. We want to hear from educators all over the country in all different spaces and sort of 
what it was like transitioning in the pandemic, what, what it looks like now, and really what's really interesting and curious to us is what are you learning and what are you doing so amazing that we could share um, with this broader audience? Because really at the end of the day, the goal that Brianne and I have is to bring positivity, right? Like to share successes. You can get plenty of negative stuff about this pandemic pretty much on every single I don't know if I want to say channel, Brianne, because nobody watches a TV the old-fashioned way anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you can stream it anywhere. How about that? Um, so we really want to lift up um, the successes of our educators around the country. And we are so fortunate to have, I'm going to say it, Aviva, Dr. Moore. Boy, that sounds Woo-hoo. good. Dr. Moore <laughs> and soon-to-be doctor uh, in a few years, Brianna Wall has joined us. So thank you to both of you for, for joining us today. Um, Brianna Wall is a woman of faith who was raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota and transitioned to the West Coast. I'd like to hear more about that, maybe on a different podcast, Brianna, um, to fulfill the mission of to teach, teach for America in 2012. And as she transitioned to the West, she's served as a teacher, a program director, a principal, and a consultant. So she brings lots of experience to us today. And at this moment, she's serving as the director of special education for 13, yes, I said 13 virtual schools in California, and and in her spare time, if she has any, (laughs) she studies mind-brain teaching through Johns Hopkins doctoral program, and outside of those professional endeavors and her academic sort of endeavors, uh, Brianna takes advantage of the joy that life has to offer, which includes her two lovely and gorgeous children, because I have seen them on Zoom, so I I feel like I can say that. So, Brianna, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) That is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Dr. Moore, Aviva, I'm not going to call you Dr. Moore during the conversation, but I feel like we got to get some play out of that, right? (laughs) Dr. Moore, um, Aviva has a dual bachelor's degree in English literature and environmental sciences and a master's degree in secondary ed. And she, and I'm, I'm teasing her sort of lovingly about the doctorate, because she just recently earned her ed D at Hopkins with a focus on student engagement in K-12 online classrooms. So there is partly why we've invited her on today. And she's also looked at the role of in-person uh, learning coaches for those st- students and, and their success. Uh, she has also taught language arts and social studies to middle school students and also worked with students with language-based learning differences. And she also ho- op- helped Pennsylvania open its first independent school designed for gifted learners. Um, Aviva has served on the board of directors for several schools and most recently has created, I think after your doctorate, is that right, Aviva, Um, has started an education marketplace to help families connect with professionals who can support the unique needs of their their family. And I'm sure we'll hear more about that. And in her her free time, maybe she has a little bit more free time now that the doctorate is finished. Um, She also has some kids, two teenage daughters and her dogs who we may hear from um, while we're on this (laughs) podcast tonight. We will see. So Aviva. Eva, Dr. Moore, thank you so much also for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so Brianne and I are going to start this questioning or this conversation off with really just, we just want to check in first and see, you know, Aviva and Brianna, like, how the heck are you? Like, how are you and your families managing um, in this pandemic? How's it going? Brianna, you want to start us off? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> It's been new and Mm. bumpy and, you know, we've really relied on um, those places of the safe places that we have, those consistencies, our Mm. families, our friends, you know, some aspects of our professional careers. 
and I, I feel that we've really clung on to those and, and found joy um, there. But in other parts, you know, even as simple as stepping outside or making your day-to-day -day run all the way to day-to-day -day professional interactions have, have been different. Um, <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's been, it's been rough, um, but we've, we've also gained new learning experiences that I think will... Um, really help us just as a nation move forward um, and I think better support people in different ways. Nice. Thanks. Aviva, how about oh, you and sure. your family? Um, we're doing COVID good, as I said, when we first logged in. I think it's um, a different standard now. Um, mm -hmm. But we, you know, I, I kind of leaned in. I work from home most of the year, and my it was nice to have my teenage daughters interacting with me and around a little bit more and playing board games and doing puzzles. So from that perspective, it was uh, a nice little silver lining to have a little more time with them in that way. Yeah, I have to. I have to ask because they're teenagers. Did they? Was that feeling uh, reciprocated? Well, I never knew quite how annoying I was at times <laughs> until these last few months, but um, for the most part, we got along pretty well and awesome. um, it, it worked out. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Um, so the, the, the other thing I want to ask you, and then I'm going to turn it over to Brianne, is um, as you know, this podcast is really, you know, I, partly I started it last December because I'm really interested as a researcher and really as a teacher in belonging, right? This idea of cultivating belonging. And so um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask both of you sort of, what does this word belonging mean to you? Like Aviva, if you wouldn't mind sort of sharing, you know, what is your conception of that word or how do you define it? Yeah, so when I think about, um, I, I mean, I, when I think about belonging, I think of it in a couple of different ways. When I think of my experience of belonging, I think um, of that moment when I'm not thinking about whether I belong or not, I'm just sort of being. Mm. And um, when I think about what that actually looks like, I think there's sort of a combination of an internal sense of belonging and an outward facing sense of belonging where you need to I guess, be comfortable enough, belong with yourself enough to be your authentic self in order to belong within whatever community you're trying to be part of. Mm. Nice. Brianna, any thoughts? Oh, I love that you said you don't have to think about it. And <laughs> I, really, that's it. You know, as I, I'm constantly thinking of belonging. And so the only thing I would add is just um, that comfortability, like feeling comfort. Um, and so, yeah, otherwise, I, I really agree with how you express that. Nice. Yeah, Aviva, you made me wonder if you've been reading Maya Angelou, right? Because Maya Angelou mm -hmm. talks about belonging as um, belonging everywhere and nowhere. And, I, mm -hmm. and I've joked with Bri uh, Brianne that it's taken me weeks upon weeks to really like understand that quote. And even still, sometimes I feel like I'm standing on a what is that like trapeze line where I think I understand it and then I fall off and don't understand it. But that's what you made me think of. So have you read, have you read that her work? Not recent, not recently, oh, yeah. but certainly years ago. Yeah. Well, I would, if, if you haven't, or to our audience, if you haven't read um, letter letters to my daughter, I think is the name of it. The Maya Angelou, it's a really short, I mean, literally you could read it. Uh, assuming you have some, your kids aren't all on top of you or your work is on top of you, but to, in a non-pandemic moment, you could read that book in like an hour. It's very short um, and it's quite lovely. So I would highly recommend it. So great. Brianne, you want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I just love the inward sense of self and the outward facing self. I feel yeah. like that could be an hour in and of itself, but totally. um, 
I wanted to know a little bit about your senses of kind of being a teacher and a learner at the same time. So how do, how do you think about or sort of characterize those identities um, in your work and, and kind of in just your everyday presence? Brianna, you wanna start? Yeah, they're intertwined for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, similar to how I think of a scholar practitioner, it's just, mm -hmm. I am one although those are two descriptors. And so um, in my practice as a teacher, I have to be a learner in order to continue um, you know, teaching other people. And so for me, it's just all in one. I consider myself a lifelong learner and I can't even imagine how I would be where I am today or you know, where I might be in the future without being able to be a learner first. Hmm. I agree with uh, your sentiment there, Brianna. When I uh, helped open that gifted school, we actually called the uh, teachers lead learners. That was mm -hmm. their title. Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, the, the intent being that they are in, intertwined in a way that is inextricable. And when I myself am teaching, I, I kind of get out of thinking of myself as a teacher. I just think of myself as learning from my students and sharing what I already know. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of teaching anything, I'm just sharing from another learning perspective. Yeah, I, I have to. I have to say it's interesting because I don't think this is true of everybody that we've spoken to either here or in other spaces that this integration of these two identities doesn't always occur to people or doesn't happen naturally. And I'm wondering for both or either of you has that learning identity always been there? Like, has it always been a part of you or, or was there a point in your either personal or professional lives where like it clicked for you and you're like, oh yeah, of course. I'm just wondering if, if you've thought about that. If I could jump in, yeah. um, I think for me, it was, I mean, parenting is the, probably the most humbling experience of my life and realizing how much there was to learn from my children at every age and every stage, mm. I think really shifted that for me and um, reframed things. Oh, I agree with that as parenting. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I'm raising them. Oh yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I have to say it's been here for a while because what I did when you posed that question, Carrie, is I started to go back and I found myself all the way back to um, like high school, middle mm -hmm. school age. So I'd say that it's been here for a while for me. Okay. I think we could tell that in your tone. Yeah. I mean, the way you answered that so smoothly, it, I mean, I even wrote it. She's like, blah, blah, blah. I have to be a learner, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, I mean, it's just, it's yeah. right there. It's just, it's just wasn't like, you know, I think I have to be a learner. No, it was just part of your sentence. Um, so I think I could tell that it was really deeply embedded uh, kind of in who you are and how yeah. you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you all mind sharing a little bit with us about your lives <laughs> before the pandemic? This is always a fun question because it feels like a stretch to go back to that time. Um, <laughs> but kind of what were you doing? What was your role, your context, your, your goals, that sort of thing? Uh, Aviva. How about sure. Um, so I'm professionally, I've been working as an administrative director for a special needs day camp that focuses on social skill development. So we work with kids who have high functioning autism, learning differences, um, ADHD, uh, almost everybody has some kind of some layer of anxiety. Um, and of course, I was uh, knee deep into my research at <laughs> Hopkins <laughs> and um, trying to finish that 
doctorate. Um, I, I also was serving on the board where I, um, of, a, of a statewide cyber charter school that, um, you know, was served as my research context as well. So um, as the administrative director of the camp, I actually was working from home most of the year. And so in some ways that made an, a little bit of an easier transition for me when everything shut down, I think. For sure. Um, so before the pandemic, uh, professional- Long time ago. <laughs> yeah, right? How did we get here? How did we get here? <laughs> um, so how do you put this in words? Because there was a shift for me um, after, but I, I'll wait to touch on that. But I've been in the virtual world professionally. This is my third year mm -hmm. um, virtually working for um, charter schools, both in Arizona and then I transitioned to California. And I, um, we were sort of the minority of schools, right? Mm -hmm. like, there's the traditional brick and mortar. And so I, my goal was to, get to know even more this online world and how these schools are serving diverse learners. So it's just been a learning experience for me and that's also tied into just my, my personal goals. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I was and still am. Okay, that's fair. I know, I feel like we're talking about like the olden days or something. Right, <laughs> right? Pre-pandemic. I don't know about you, but I've been, I, when I have a little bit of time and feel like I can't take any more, I've been sort of streaming Netflix and watching old things. And even in the shows when they're like, at a restaurant close together, I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, that's not the pandemic. I have to like <laughs> check my reality or am I the only one who's doing that? Am I crazy? Oh no, I do it all the time. Okay. Okay. not crazy. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, remember those days. I'm longing for those days. So anyway, I digress. So um, the, what I'm really curious about and, and another reason we, we wanted to do this podcast, and as I said earlier, is this, this notion of being a learning educator. And so acknowledging that we all have a lot to learn from each other. And one thing I've realized is um, I make up a lot of stories in my head and I need to sort of, I need to rattle those stories and learn the truth, right? I have these sort of models and then I have reality and I have to sort of reconcile those things. And so one thing I was thinking about Aviva and Brianna as I was preparing for this interview is that both of you have had probably more experience in the virtual world than most K to 12 on average, right? I'm, again, I'm making assumption. And so I'm really asking this question because I am, I am genuinely curious. And that is, as you had to pivot from a pre-pandemic to a pandemic, what was a chat? Like, what was a challenge for you and sort of how did you overcome it? Cause I'm, I'm having trouble thinking about what the challenge is if you're already in a virtual space. So, oh um, yeah, it's gotta feel. All right, Brianna, you start us off <laughs> if you have a feel. Yes. <laughs> and in this, um, so staffing, mm. uh, our, our teachers, right? Like I know that teachers in brick and mortar settings are impacted, but we're uniquely impacted as well because we were the outlet where we could keep this sense of normalcy for our students. We could continue to provide everything just how it's been provided. But yet our teachers went through a change. Mm. Our teachers now have their kids at home. And so that, um, that was, was huge for us. It's, it's funny because family and friends would think, oh, no, you're already virtual. You're fine. I'm like, no, we're going through it over here. And so we had to think uniquely about how to support our teachers during this time and even still. Mm. Um, and then the other thing I would say would be getting a lot of people looking to us 
for guidance and support. Mm. Um, so I've done a lot of presentations in the past few months. Um, and, you know, not wanting to close that door for people. Sometimes it was overwhelming to be that support. <laughs> um, but just doing as much as I, I could to just um, help the public. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Brianna. So, so much like you were just pointing to in Pennsylvania when the governor closed all of the public school, all of the schools, that included the cyber charter schools, which oh. was a little bizarre. Oh. Um, and so we actually only closed for about a week while we assessed things like staffing and um, our ability to pivot to a slightly different model. Um, and then we opened again, you know, to be able to offer that continuity of education. Um, but with, uh, I think there were fewer live synchronous sessions and instead there were office hours and recorded mm -hmm. sessions so that we could still um, adhere to the mandate and offer that continuity. So that really changed um, what things looked like, I think statewide for the cyber charter schools, um, you know, of which there are many in Pennsylvania, but um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so see, I was, I, why I wasn't, as a parent myself, I'm embarrassed that I didn't even remember that, of course, the teachers are also experiencing this and have their own set of challenges when it comes to, so thank you. So I guess the, the follow-up, the obvious follow-up to that um, for both Bri Brianna and Aviva is, like, how were you able to support your teachers and how, how have you been, navig how have you been navigating this and is there something that you've learned that you're going to sort of carry into the fall? Because unfortunately, we know this pandemic's not going away anytime soon. So, so I'll start us off. Yeah. Um, by chance, this year for uh, this cyber charter that I was involved with um, happened to have a school-wide focus on increasing family involvement. And so um, what that meant changed a little bit. So they were doing um, in-person events across the, the state every month. And of course, those had to stop. Um, but the supports that were available to families were still um, in place and there was still ongoing professional development for the educators to support the parents and the in-person in learning coaches. Um, so that, um, I think the supports were in place in a really positive way. I know for this upcoming year, the enrollment is through the roof <laughs> because there's so many uncertainties with how the start of the school year is going to be. And, um, you know, again, there are staffing issues and making sure that we have the teachers we need. Um, so it's sort of some things have changed and some things haven't. <laughs> yeah, Aviva, you said um, the, so the supports were already in place. Was there anything about the supports given this sort of new, I mean, I, I don't use the word crisis lightly. I think at least in the spring, it was a crisis. Um, was there anything that you were doing in those, those spaces or in that support that was different because of the pandemic that you found helpful? I think that the conversations that were happening shifted and mm. were being different. So there was still a huge social media presence and there was still a mentoring program for parent to parent and there were still um, the, the same structures, but how they were being used and the conversations is, is what I saw shifting. Okay. Brianna, how about you? How were you and your team supporting all the teachers and the staffing that you mentioned? Oh, wow. So. Um, similar to what Aviva had shared earlier, we sort of had to 
figure out, it was this like toggle between, okay, we have to meet students' needs, you gotta keep that as the priority, and considering teachers, and so what can we reduce without reducing what our students have access to educationally? So um, we attempted to reduce some of our live sessions into mm -hmm. recording formats, but having optional office hours as a support. Um, and in special education, there are no amendments to IDEA. So we had this special challenge where we really had to keep status quo for our students. Um, and so we just got creative with also um, some social things that we would do virtually with our teachers to support them and us jumping in as administrators as well. So we got really creative there. And we actually saw, um, like Aviva, boost in enrollment uh, unprecedented, of course, over yeah. 5,000 in total oh. for all of our increase for all of our schools. So now we're at about 25,000. Oh my gosh. So, um, it's, it's significant. And the, the one good thing I'll share of what we're taking with us um, is all the resources now that, you know, people know we exist now and they're coming out with, you know, webinars and these schools and Doug Lamov and his team wrote a book overnight um, on virtual learning. So there's wow. I love how you're talking kind of about being learners and teachers at the same time because because we had to be right i mean just very naturally you said we had to get creative and we had to do these things it wasn't trying to just do what we always did um it's really thinking this is what we did this is what we have to do these are the essentials i think both of you kind of talked about that and then let's modify on the fly and yeah. um, and learn quickly from each other about how to move forward so I hear you talking about how that sort of core teacher learner identity played out in the context of, of COVID. Is there anything else that you could add to that? So sort of how that um, paradox, I guess, of being a teacher and a learner plays out for you, specifically now. Oh, man. <laughs> anything I would add? Not that I can think of. How about you, Aviva? That's a good question. I'm not sure that I have much to offer either. I, I would just say that um, I think that, and I've said, I think I said this to you before, Carrie, that one of the things that became important to me and my family that I carried over into my teacher and learner space is that often it's more about how people are feeling in the space and feeling in their educational opportunities or in the connections that they're making that matters so much more than specific content that they're learning or the, that we're all stuck at home or it's it's making sure that it is a positive um rewarding interaction mm -hmm. and you know carrying that over in, in any and all spaces i think um became really important to me yeah that's that's great aviva i it's funny because so I've been teaching online for many years now. And, and as everybody's sort of uh, transitioned to Zoom, I felt like, oh man, I got to up my Zoom game. Cause like everybody, like Zoom is just Zoom now. It's like meeting at a coffee shop. So I've been learning too, right? And, and Brianna, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I heard you say that you sort of, you had to be more creative and innovative with how you were supporting your teachers. And I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing, like what's an example of how you really sort of had to I don't know, either turn it up or change it up to, to really support those folks yeah. in, in this pandemic. 
um, really, I love what Aviva said about the feelings. Mm. Like that, that is it being a, a listening outlet for them. And mm. instead of us as administrators having to literally create that change to talk to them, we made space and forums for them to be able to share. And instead of generalizing what all teachers need, what is it that you need specifically? And then we were able to work through changes that um, might be applicable to them. So it was really just getting down to an individual basis and saying, I'm a person, you're a person, I care about you, I value you, how can I support you through this? And it took time, but so valuable. (laughs) Yeah, and that that part, I mean, if you could see us all, we're all like nodding on Zoom right now, but um, (laughs) it's the intentionality piece. I mean, that last bit that you just said, it takes time. And Aviva, you're saying we have to go there emotionally, we have to understand, but that's not going to just happen necessarily by default. I think we have to be really deliberate about recognizing that those things are priorities, yes. you know, for our students and certainly for our teachers as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So would you mind sharing a takeaway or two from this experience of, of teaching and learning through the pandemic that you think will impact your practice moving forward? So we hope this ends at some point and we can get back to some normal, whatever that was, but um, better is there anything end. hope wait a second it, hope i know it's I know. got to end i don't want any of this hope stuff like i, want <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I agree i want it to end uh, oh, yeah we, we all want it to end anything you know that you think will, you'll carry forward lessons you've learned i think the biggest takeaway that i have or, or realization is a better way for me to think of it is um that it, you know the COVID situation in conjunction with the social justice issues that we've been, and equity issues we've been um, looking at. When I look at education as an institution of society, it just makes me realize how much more work there is to be done. Mm. Um, You know, I I can only hope, and I am gonna say hope at this point, (laughs) um, that that we're moving in a positive direction towards improvements that have a, a positive impact in our, you know, taking us down the right path. Yeah. And Aviva, well said. Um, It's really helped me. It's not really new. It's helped me sharpen my saw of seeking to understand. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I liken that to the social justice challenges we have and also to COVID-19 in particular, you know, through these conversations and situations where even I was emotional about things, um, I had to practice suspending judgment. Mm. And we all, even about COVID, do you wear a mask, do you not? Should kids come back, should they not? Of just suspending that layer of initial judgment, our human instinct, and seeking to understand the perspectives and experiences behind that. Um, and just, you know, working to evolve. And like Aviva said, we have work to do. Yeah. So if you can do that, suspend those things and seek to understand, then that can just create this uniform to come together and get to a better place. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. I, I love the, what you said there, Brianna and Aviva, I think in just the few interviews that uh, Brianna and I have done, we've heard similar sentiment. I, I have steered away from saying the silver lining in the pandemic, because I just think it's been too rough to be a silver lining. But what I'm noticing in people's language around the pandemic is, um, pouring gasoline on something that should have, we should have noticed, highlighting something, shining a light. Um, Brianna, you said sharpen my need to seek understanding. And so I'm not, it's just really brought into focus 
whether it's forced us or another word that's that's operating there i just um i appreciate that you you brought that back up because i think that's really true and i think it's i think it's sharpened our focus and i'm glad we we brought up equity because we haven't talked about that but I know as an online educator, I'm thinking a lot more about equity. Um, I mean, I'd like to think that I was before, but it's, it's, it's much more prevalent in my, my world right now. Um, and the other thing, Brianna, I love that you said, you said suspending judgment. I think uh, uh, what I've been calling it, and, and I think we're similar, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost giving grace, like giving yes. grace to teachers and parents and neighbors that usually get on my nerves and just remember yes. that, we we should always assume that we're all carrying something, right? Because we just always are. But we really know for a fact right now that we all are carrying this pandemic. It looks different. Um, I heard this woman say um, that we're all experiencing the pandemic, but we're just in different boats. And I loved that metaphor, this idea that like, you know, this just looks different for everybody. And so, so I love that suspending judgment idea, Brianna. I think that's a really nice way to sort of walk through this really difficult time. So- I think the last question we wanted to ask both of you, and you won't be surprised, is we're going to circle it back on belonging uh, to wrap it up. So we're, Brianna and I are very, very curious to know, you know, you both sort of shared with us your conception of belonging at the beginning of the interview. And we're just wondering, as we've hopefully shifted out of this like immediate pivot crisis mode into dare I say, getting a little bit used to the pandemic. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but being in the pandemic Mm -hmm. um, and as we move through it, has your understanding or sense of belonging shifted in any way? Like how are you feeling or thinking about that sort of notion these days? Aviva, you want to jump in? Sure. So I think um, for me and sort of building on the last few sentiments, um, there was a phrase used at uh, the, the cyber charter school I was involved with so when working with the parents that was assume positive intent. Mm. And I think that that is just sort of a standard now that when I think about belonging, um, there's a certain amount that, you know, everything related to humanity or human existence has to do with belonging mm. and um, finding where we fit in and fa- finding, you know, both your place in a society, in, in a culture, in a society, um, and, and this idea of assuming positive intent right now, um, I think it folds in, I guess my conception of belonging and where I want to belong may be different than somebody else's from a different culture. And just having that perspective that regardless of where that other person is coming from, it's with positive intent. It's mm-hmm. we're all coming from a human place. Nice. That's so powerful. Um, I I love it, and I agree with what you're saying. <laughs> I, oh yes, I just add maybe so a little different. Just an example of how belonging in my current context for me personally has changed, because brick and mortar has had my heart, you know, for so long, and so. I I believe that God has placed me with these virtual schools for a reason to serve, Mm -hmm. but now I've recognized um, sort of signage from God that of why I am where I am Mm -hmm. and by the correlation my research has. And so um, I have like a new sense of belonging um, in this virtual world. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. A great time for it. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Those are big signs. Oh, yeah. very, very big signs, for sure. Right where you needed me to be. That's right. So I I've, just wanted to, oh, yeah, sorry, go, go ahead, No, Carrie. no, no, go ahead, Brian. Oh, I just, I loved what Aviva said um, about there just still being more work to do. And I think we always have work to do, but I was struck by this, this sort of time where we had to stop dead in everything, like literally not leave. Um, and yep. yet we feel this tremendous momentum and urge to move forward and sort of deeper need um, that goes beyond one of our other um, guests earlier was talking about going through the motions, like maybe pre-pandemic, we were doing a lot of things, we were going through a lot of motions, but now it's like this, this more work to do, this is real work that we have got to attend to much more deeply than like my daily sort of errands that used to keep me busy, right? Um, and I think it took standing still and stopping to really appreciate the depth of that work that we have to do and to like feel this pull um, really sort of at our cores to move forward um, together for all this, for equity and for our students and for our teachers and that we can't do that unless we learn and unless we open ourselves to realizing that we don't know all of these things. So we have to be learners and right. then maybe we'll, you know, have this sense of belonging in our movement forward. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Yeah, I was making some notes, sort of like final thoughts, but you, you really wrapped it up, Brianna. I mean, this notion of um, assuming positive intent, you know, Brianna, you said suspending judgment everyone talked about this intentionality, right? Like really being intentional about what you're doing in these spaces, making space for those social connections and just being together and admitting that there's sort of this thing that's filtering everything that we do right now. Um, and Brianne, I love that idea of, of really having to stand still because I think if nothing else, this pandemic has made us slow down, right? Has like, we've almost hit the pause button and the irony is, I feel like at least in my world and with the folks that I connect with is even in this physically distant new reality, the social connections have been prevalent yeah. and we've realized how important they are. And I think there's a, there's a beautiful irony in that. And so I'm really intentional about saying physical distance, not social distancing, because I don't like, yeah, I don't like, I like that, that notion. So so Aviva and Brianna, I want to express my gratitude. Um, I know you're both very busy, your moms, your professionals, um, doing all sorts of amazing things for your own teachers and students, but also for others who are coming to you for your expertise. So uh, Brianna and I are just grateful that you took time um, to, to get on with us tonight. And I know other people listening will appreciate all of your tips and strategies and, and just hearing your experiences. So thanks to both of you for joining us. Of course, a pleasure. Thank you. Great. And Brianna, it was always good to chat with you as well, of course. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everybody. All right. Welcome back to episode four. Oh my gosh, for a moment there, Brianna, I almost forgot what episode it was. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the conversation we had with Aviva and Brianna. I know that Brianna and I um, enjoyed it. And as you heard in their discussion, I, I, was, I really loved their conversation. Um, I, I particularly remember Brianna really just talking about, I, you know, um, Brianna, you mentioned in a previous episode about Dr. Atkinson and how it was evident how much she cared about her students. And I think that's also true of Aviva and Brianna and just the, 
I could just feel it in Brianna's words about, you know, being, being with her students and, and how care and concern was so much, so important, particularly in this time. And so I bring an article, um, it's Columbo, it's Tiger and Leader, L-E-I-D-E-R. I'm probably not doing a good job of pronouncing that. And it's actually, I think I told you 2020 brand. It's actually 2019. Um, it's called Positioning Teachers, Positioning Learners, Why We Should Stop Using the Term English Learners. Now, I'm going to be clear, and I said this to Brianne, this is not a conversation about English language learners because this is not my my area of I wouldn't even say expertise. This is just not my area. So I'm not going to debate that sort of that topic. What what I really found interesting about the article is that the authors brought just a, another perspective about how we should think about titles and categories and how we sort of, you know, put put we try to put students and groups in different buckets um, as a way of, of organizing. And they I really thought in the article, they're just asking you to think you know, twice or think again or notice these names that we come up with. And the really cool thing about the article was they talked a lot about positionality. And so, you know, position, positioning theory describes this idea that individuals claim, assign, and reject multiple identities by positioning themselves in certain ways in relation to other people in given social, cultural, and political contexts. So oftentimes, these labels, these groupings, the way in which we organize ourselves and others relative to one another is a function of that positionality. And it's really important that we're cognizant of things like power and privilege and your role and the context. And so um, I just really appreciated the article um, because it made me sort of sit up and notice and think about the ways in which I do this and what it really really what really resonated for me is that I feel like Aviva and Brianna do such a nice job of acknowledging their position and really sort of leaning into leaning into their roles and being a part of a community not creating separation I mean if I remember correctly um, uh, Aviva even mentioned in the interview this idea that she always thought about this notion of leading learners, right? That they were all learners together, whether they were teachers, staff, or students, but they were all learners. And so even though it seems small, the language that we use to talk to one another, to define different things, it matters. Um, I joked the other day with a student, we were talking about leadership theory, and a lot of leadership theory talks about leaders and followers. That's just the dynamic that's always used. And both of us were like, we know that's what it says, but we don't like that term because a lot of the leadership theory is about building community and creating these authentic connections. And so when you say leader follower, what does that do? I mean, when you think leader follower, Brian, what do you think immediately? Oh gosh, I just think of like the one person ahead and then the ducklings kind of trailing behind. <laughs> totally. Like it it automatically creates a hierarchy, right? And yeah. so this this notion of belonging that we're so passionate about and building community is, you know, that the space should ref be reflective of each person, should value the contributions of this person of the different people in these spaces. And I hope as you listen to Brianna and Aviva share their sort of experiences in this pandemic and in their context that you heard, I just, I just imagine them, all I could think Brianna, uh, Brianne was like, that they're sort of rolling up their sleeves and just getting into it with their staff and their students. That's what I kept imagining is just like, even though it's online, I just felt like I could see Brianna just being like, okay, as she rolls up her sleeves, let's, let's get to work. Um, and I just feel like 
that's why I really chose this article was that she she knows the position. She's a leader at this in these schools, and yet she just wants to be right in it with with the folks. Um, and as a result, she's able to build community. And she even said, I remember in the interview that because she had already established this trust and and this sort of connection. Some of the things she needed to do, you know, in other in another circumstance might not have worked, but but her her community was willing to sort of go along with it and try it and trust her. And that comes from a lot of hard work. So so if you have a have a chance, take a look at the article. I think it's really interesting. Um, I think if you have any interest in this notion of positionality and identity theory, it might be one uh, worth taking a look at. We will post it on the website, whatsourstory.com if you're interested. In terms of takeaways, I think that this notion that identity or identity development is fluid and often depends on your position and context, role and power. Um, consider ways to take asset-based approaches to our students, our teachers and our leaders. And I just think it was just such a good reminder that even the smallest sort of language and word choices matter a lot. So just be mindful of that. And the other thing in this article, and I really didn't talk about it in the summary, is the article talked about teachers as change agents. And I just love that because yes. I, I just, I don't know, Brian. I just feel like, and I was just talking to a colleague the other day um, that, you know, sometimes our teachers just aren't given the credit I think they deserve as professionals. And I loved that this article, right, words, change agent, like it doesn't seem like that's a big deal, but I feel like that's a really empowering phrase for our teachers. And it's true. I mean, I think it's really true. So consider teachers as change agents in roles and positions to use asset-focused language and strategies to engage with our students. So I don't know about you, Brianne, but I thought that was a cool and amazing conversation with Aviva and Brianna. I had, I had known Aviva, but not well. So it was great to hear a little bit more about the work that she does and has continued to do. I also really liked the article. I hadn't really thought about identity in relation to positionality, so that was always fun. So, um, yeah. So, this week in your comings and goings, I hope you will consider how you can engage with your friends, your colleagues, your kids, your neighbors, your students, and others in asset-based ways. Strengths approach, a strengths approach to things. How can we change the song so that we are not talking so much about gaps and needs and rather focusing on building, growing, learning, and works in progress. This has been Carrie and Brianne on season two of Tell Me This. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for future episodes, are interested in being a guest, or know someone who might, please email me at carrieborkowski at gmail.com. And for now, be safe, be well, and don't forget, we are all a work in progress, and each of us is enough just because we are. Thanks for listening. This is Tell Me This. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash B-E to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.